welcome, Dragon. Thank you, Ben, for having me. Glad we're having this conversation. Awesome. Looking forward to it. So your background, you studied electrical engineering, then you ditched that, went into photography. Is that right? Correct. That's right. At what stage were you like, fuck this electrical engineering, I'm not doing it? <laughs> uh, it was funny enough, it was in uh, it, it was a three-year course. Uh, it was pretty much right at the end of the second year. I would, I would say midway where I said, I'm, I'm not doing it. And I was always doing photography since I was about 13, 14. And I was doing arts in high school, doing photography in high school. So I guess my passion lied in the, uh, in the creative side and not necessarily in the technical side. But of course, I had to make my parents happy you know, because they expected something better of me. So yeah, so I, I jumped into that and continued on. Now, while I was doing that, I was also working for, I was assisting a couple of photographers doing doing portraits and weddings. And then at one stage, I pretty much said, that's enough. I'm going to go study photography and approach my parents. My mum was okay with it. My dad was like, oh, you know, just rolled his eyes back and left the room. <laughs> And so, yeah, so I uh, continued doing that and uh, roughly at the age of 22, uh, started a business on my own and, you know, started off with three employees and got up to about 15. That's incredible. So I'm, I'm assuming you've been able to leverage your, your business acumen and rotate that into your buyer's agent business. Correct. Yes. And what age did you start investing in property? 20, 23. 23. Cool. So that was my first investment. I purchased an apartment, negatively geared, which was a bit of a mistake. And uh, But, you know, you live and learn, right? Well, not every... Ne- yeah, I mean, it depends, but not every negatively geared property is, is going to turn out and not be great. Look, I mean, if I knew what I knew now and uh, went back 20 years ago, but then, you know, I probably wouldn't be in this position though, right? <laughs> So yeah, look, I, I'm 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 grateful I did start at 23, so I can't complain there. But I've learned a lot on the way, definitely. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got their own strategy. I mean, I know people that they literally just buy blue chip. They've got good serviceability, cash flow position, so negatively geared suits well, and they get very strong capital growth. Like that appreciation is is significant. Some people can more cash flow sensitive. That positively geared works. So I think it's nice that you can assess all strategies and. I guess, apply to yourself what's good. And then for your clients, you can recommend what suits them. I think it's cool that we've got all these different options, right? No, exactly, exactly. And, you know, especially when I get the um, the younger clients where they come and say, hey, you know, I've got 100K or 80K deposit. What can I do with it? But I have no strategy, no idea what to do. And, you know, you, I sort of give them my story of how I started and the direction I took. And yeah, and they they sort of resonate with that. So they're sort of grateful that they have that first step forward. Nice. You were working in the buyer's agent um, industry before you got started, right? Correct. For a couple of years, yes, with uh, with a few buyer's agents. Yeah, nice. And so were you clear that at one stage you're like, hey, I'm going to, I want to set up my own business and I just, I want to run my own show? Well, actually, even before starting with those buyer's agents, I knew the I mean, I hate to say it, but the the idea of me going into those buyer's agents was solely knowing that I was going to leave and start my own business. And uh, what I wanted to do, I, I pretty much plucked out three of the, the better buyers agents out there within investment properties and, and got information of what they do best. And, uh, you know, once I leave and do, go out on my own, that's what I'll be, you know, combine their best ideas into one business. Yeah, very nice. Because I was just thinking, right, when I asked that question, like you ran a very successful photography business, you grew that company. The thought, I'm just thinking now as an entrepreneur, then having to go work for someone just wouldn't, I don't know, make a lot of sense. However, when there's that learning opportunity, which I'm sure, which is, was your intention and your drive was to go in there and really just soak up like a sponge, which I'm assuming you did quickly, then you can then go and execute yourself, right? 
Exactly. And look, I just I just pretty much copied exactly what I did with my photography. I went and worked for a few photographers to see what they did, what works best for them, and uh, and started my business. So I pretty much just copied that, uh, rotated around, and, and did the same. Yeah, nice. And it's a good thing I did because I think I fast forwarded, you know, to what I'm doing now within the business. Yeah. Are you are you still running the photography business on the side? No, 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 no. Okay. That passion died a long time ago. <laughs> so. You're full-time in the new BA business. And so how does it compare? I'm just curious with the photography business. Are you enjoying it more? Is it more stressful? Like, how would you describe no, it? No, actually, look, um, I guess with my photography business, there was, no, uh, there was nothing else. You know, when you've got a photography business or a, a new business, you sort of stress on, you got to meet certain budgets, you know, every, every week, every month. Because if you don't have that, you don't have the bills to pay. You don't have people to pay. Where now it's, it's much more relaxed. Obviously, I started investing 20 years ago. So there's, there's an income there that I can always fall back on. But in saying that, I think the uh, property passion is larger than the photography ever was. So much less overheads. You know, when I had the photography studio, I, at one stage I was paying twelve grand, twelve grand a week. I remember that, and that was that was back then. Yeah, to run the business, and that. So I had to cover twelve grand, so all the bills and and uh, people could get paid, and then the profit comes later. Yeah, it's beautiful with the buyer's agent business. It can be a very very nice P and L, like can be high high profit, right? Yeah. High profit and uh, and very low, to, uh, you know, very little overheads. Let's just say that. And I guess you'd be applying. It's interesting, right? Like you obviously have been an investor yourself for a long time, bought a lot of different property. Then you've worked, you know, for a few different buyers agents, you know, servicing those respective clients. Now you've got your own clients, so there's a lot of lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, not just from your own journey, but from obviously helping other clients as well. So, how are you finding that experience now, working one to one with clients under your own umbrella? Oh, look, it's it's uh, fantastic because you know they, they come to you, they rely on you, you give them your full how do I say the knowledge of you know what what I have to give to them. And once that journey from start to finish ends, when they're grateful and they give you good feedback, is it's just it's so rewarding, you know. And you're creating something for their uh, wealth for their future. So it's not, I mean, photography is great. You know, you create a nice image and all that, but there's something more to, uh, to uh, property, I guess. It's giving back. In one way, it is giving back. So yeah, definitely. When they see purchase a property that's under market value, they might do a, they might not do a reno just by the solely of purchasing that property. You've made them 80, 90, 100 K. And that is very rewarding, but on both sides. Yeah. It's it's very gratifying. I think you know, even when I used to help people buy their family home, also like they're going to be in this home potentially for twenty, thirty, or ha- however many years. Like even just nailing that was like super rewarding. And then for investment, like you were saying, like helping people build wealth for themselves and delivering on a strategy, it's like very gratifying. It is. It is definitely. Yeah. Very nice. So what, what's the plan with your business? I mean, do you want to grow it like you did with your photography business or you want to keep it bespoke? Uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it boutique because apart from this, of the BA business, I'm also doing stuff on the side as well. So I do, you know, little developments or subdivisions or strata titling bits and pieces like that. So what I might actually do is as soon as I get uh, more experienced on more the subdivisions and, and uh, strata titling, I will sort of push that harder into, into the market. Even though I do offer a smaller side of it within the BA business, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it a little harder and, and uh, yeah, and market that a little harder. Yeah, nice. It's interesting. A lot of the buyers agents who come into the Institute, right, are investors 
um, like yourself, um, who have been investing for a period of time. But a lot of them, from what I understand, at the beginning when I used to do a lot of the phone calls, the institute was they wanted better cash flow to fund their own, I guess, whether it's developments or their, their own growth of their portfolio. So it's a very interesting vehicle because I've done it when I've had a buyer's agent business where not only you're getting like it pays well, but not only that, you're getting privy to so much stock, right? And all these opportunities are getting thrown at you. So like, it's kind of like, it's hard to say no, right? You know what? I've uh, I've only recently also just got into into JV, so joint ventures, because the fact that I'm getting so many good deals, and I just the thing is, I mean, the banks won't just you know the banks can't give you uh, loans for so many properties, you know, and you can only handle what you can handle so much. So I've uh, I've come to the conclusion that hey, you know, I might bring a couple of people on, do some JVs. I'll do I'll do the uh, search and I'll do all the legwork. I'll even do the the organisation for the renos and all that. They can just come in as money partners. And yeah, and both uh, both make profits, you know, and split that down the middle. Yeah, you know? so awesome, so awesome. I mean, I know there's some buyers agents who get a group of clients and they they join together, they collaborate, like form a consortium, and they they do it. They do JVs as well, like with developments. Yep, exactly. That's what that's exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah, nice, nice. That's cool. So with your, I, I guess, core uh, service offering that you're providing, is it is it just investment properties like Australia wide? Is that what you're doing? So what I'm doing is I use a couple of programs that sort of funnel into certain areas, growth areas, in contact with the councils, core logic, and all that sort of data funnels into sort of I pinpoint hotspot areas. And I focus on just, you know, I would probably focus on about five five council areas within the east coast of Australia mainly. Nice. Okay. So you keep it really specific. Yeah. Nice. So that's that's for the investment side, but I also do a little bit of own occupier. So within my eastern Sydney suburb, sorry. So you're helping family home buyers? Yes. I mean, that's a very small part, but yeah. How do you find that just out of curiosity compared to, you know, working with like the client journey compared to working with an investor? It's different. Obviously, you know, when it comes to investors, it's more of, um, it, it all falls down to the numbers. If the numbers work, then it's great. If not, then move on to the next one. When you're dealing with owner occupiers, then it's much more emotional. And even though we, we sometimes get off market properties or on market and I say, okay, so I think this property is worth 1.5 million and that's all. That's a, that's a limit you should go. A lot of the time they go over that. They're just happy to purchase the property. So anyway, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> and I'm sure you know that yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, I've said to people before that you might resonate with this and you might have some feedback, but I felt like I made some mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes, obviously, just in life as it is. But with when I was a buyer's agent, I was doing a lot of investment, but I was also doing owner-occupied at the early stage when I started the business. And the mistake that I made and I caught relatively quickly was if I was working with an owner-occupied client... I was putting, I feel like, my emotion into it. If I felt like the purchase price, for example, wasn't 1.7 and they wanted to pay 1.7, I sometimes felt that I could negotiate too hard to try and save them money, which could lead to them not being able to buy the property to try and save them, for example, 10 or 15 grand. However, like what you just said, they're like, no, no, I'm prepared to pay market value or even over market value because I'm living here for the rest of my life. Exactly. It's that division between as an investor and an owner occupier that collide together. So, you know, that, that part of you, which is an investor says, you know, we could get that cheaper. If not having the emotion there for yourself, you go by the numbers. Okay. And being investor myself and yourself, you, you probably understand that sort of, you've got a conflict there. Okay. But what I say is if they really want it and they're happy, just buy it, whatever they think is fair. Simple. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I say 1.5. 
if they say, I'm, I will look at the, uh, if it's an auction, I look, I'm ready to go 1.6. You know, you get those that sometimes go 1.7 and they're still like, I want it. Like, are you sure? Yes. All right. <laughs> I mean, are you going to argue? Really? Well, it's not, it's not our role to argue. I think, I think we're there to ask questions and you're right. Like it's, it's emotional when they're buying their family home. And I think, um, I've been at auctions back in the day for prestige properties. And I kid you not, the last property that I bought at Cohen Handler, I think it was for about eight. I forget if it was 8.6 or 6.8. I forget. It was in, it was in the inner west. It was in Des Moines. It was a waterfront. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that wasn't the problem. No, before I bought a property for this client, I was at an auction. And I think the house was around six or seven or eight, I forget. And I, I kid you not, the, the client gave me, he was a doctor, really lovely guy. He gave me a budget. I said, is that it? Sure. He said, yeah. He was on the phone with, I swear he went up about four or $500,000 on the day when I was there. And I, I said, are you sure about this? Like, you know, your budget was six or at 6.6 or whatever, or whatever it was. And it's interesting, you know, sometimes these people do provide a ceiling for when they're buying their family home, but they just say, no, no. I want this. Yeah, and, and and then obviously their emotions kick in, right? They're not experienced with that. We we are, me and you we're dealing with purchases all the time, so we can that excitement is controlled, that emotion is controlled. Where where they come in and say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm prepared to pay more." Yeah, it's interesting. Do you feel like sometimes with your clients, ever that you do feel like a bit like a psychologist, where you know they you have you have to really walk and talk them through scenarios and coaching? Like, do you feel that? Yeah, definitely, definitely, hundred percent. I think it's a big part of our role is around how we condition in a really accurate way, just around sometimes the clients can start to, I think, just go down a different pathway around how to attack something. Like they might be like, hey, let's not offer 400,000. Let's just lowball 320. You're like, no, no, like that's going to, number one, it's going to kill my relationship with the agent. It's going to piss them off. And so it's interesting how you just got to coach them a lot, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, you got to sort of meet halfway in between somewhere. Yeah. There's always that happy medium. It's, it's an interesting role as a buyer's agent. I think that we play an interesting role because, you know, we're dealing with a lot of cash on behalf of the client in terms of what they're investing. We're managing, people say, oh, in investment, it's all about the numbers. Well, no, it is, but like it's emotional. If you're trying to get a passive income of, let's say, 300 grand over the next 10 years and you're accumulating properties over that period of time, it's emotional. Because like it is. you want to meet that goal, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I feel like there's a lot we're managing as buyers agents. Like we're don't you think? There is a responsibility, definitely. And when you have that responsibility, emotions do come in into play, hundred percent. Then it also depends on buyers as well. You know, I've got buyers that know they've done their homework, they know exactly what they want, and even though you present a good property, they'll knock it back. And then on the other side, got other buyers that are just literally just hand everything over to you, go, This is my budget, just and purchase on the first property I, I present to them. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Like every client's got different needs and wants and a different personality. But you know, it's it's what makes the job fun as well, Ben. If, if you had clients that were all the same, eventually you get bored, you know, I think. It's a good point. It's what mixes it up. You're right. It's a very fun business. Obviously, I'm not running a buyer's agent business anymore, but it's super fun. Like I just feel like you meet these incredible clients, you do de- you, you develop these incredible relationships. Like you just said, everyone's different. So you, you, you meet one client who's maybe a banker, the next one's a doctor. Like so you, You're learning about different career paths that your clients are in as well. And what I think is incredible is well, you're just sharpening your sword every, every day of the week. You're just becoming better and better and better at buying property, which I think is awesome. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, you know, the network you sort of bring within the real estate agents and the relationship, you build a really good circle of real estate agents. And, and I'm just talking about real estate agents alone that within this business, eventually, if you're, if you, you know, have a good relationship, they come to you with good deals because they like dealing with you. And that's what I love because half of the work is already done when they come to you. They know exactly what you're after. They understand your clientele. And then like even just before our podcast about an hour ago, I just received a nice property, which I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to, to jump on and look at. And, and it's, it's great. You know, it's exactly what I want. You know, you've got some selling agents, real estate agents that will, they know what you want, but they'll try it and sell you something else which, you know, is, it's kind of like not what I'm looking for. But yeah, when you've, when you've got uh, those real estate agents that know exactly what you want, it just, it's just easy, it makes the job easier. Yeah, it's interesting. I was on a podcast yesterday with, with someone else and we were, t- we were fleshing some stuff out just around. Like I, I was asking a question, which I'm always curious, like why do buyers in Australia just think they can buy property themselves? They'll get an accountant, they'll get a conveyancer, they get a financial planner, but when it comes to making the largest investment, they just wing it themselves, right? And then they think the real estate agent works for them on top of it. So we're talking about that in just to give you context. But then I made a comment, which is, I guess, expanding on your point, which is a lot of these buyers just think, oh, well, because an agent might have texted me with an off-market property or emailed me, that I'm just now getting access to all this stock. But they don't realize there's a relationship in place, which clearly you have with this agent. You've transacted, there's trust, there's consistency, there's deep rapport, and they're not going to flick that off market to the average buyer. They're going to flick it to you because they know you're not going to go behind their back and try and screw them, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. And they know you're going to be, you know, if they look after you, you look after them on the next the next client as well. So when you get that potential client that asks you questions, oh, so why why would I have a buyer's agent and not just directly make relation with the selling agent? And that's because you know we're with these selling agents for the last several years. They'll come to us first because they know we'll give them more business later down the track. So, And then we've got the tools also to see if to check flat areas or whatever it may be, government housing next door, which, you know, it's not desirable to have, you know, if you're selling it to an investor. Other things like that, that you don't have those tools or you can, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to acquire these tools. So, yeah. It takes a lot of time. Like, I think with someone like you, you've been investing for a long time. Sure, you've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. And then you've... Oh, yeah. Yep. You've worked in buyer's agency business, you've bought for clients, and, and now you're able to go out there and, and really deliver on your clients. And you're building a really great business. I've been watching you and you're getting in the press. I mean, what's happening at the moment? Like, are you just really focusing on like a small concentration of clients? Because I know that you're getting you know a lot of publicity, but are you looking to really simultaneously now just grow your brand? Yes, growing the brand, but also I'm trying to sort of place myself out in the media. I don't want to go too big, so I'm, I'm sort of treading carefully because the last thing I want to do is have like my old buyers agents, they've got you know, 30, 40, 50 clients at a time. It's just me and an assistant that are doing this and I sort of want to keep it at 10 to 15 clients a month and that will do well. I think ideally is eventually when you start getting referrals and repeat clients is that's key to this business but to answer your question yeah just at the end of the day i just want to make a name for myself in the business well you're clearly doing that i think it's great what you're doing i really do and i think with someone who can bring to the table also the business acumen in a different niche is amazing i think it's i really like when i was growing cohen handler like i was always looking in different industries around what people do like whether it's technology or manufacturing or retail like i was always curious and i think You run a successful business in a different industry, different niche, and you're able to apply those learnings into this. It's great. Hey, Dragon, we're going to finish up. So where can people find you? Buyersagencyaustralia.com.au or just email me at dragon, D-R-A-G-A-N 
at buyersagencyaustralia.com.au. Mate, awesome. Well, listen, I've enjoyed this chat and I look forward to uh, having another conversation with you.